memorial service for a man named Lindbergh Peters. He's grandfather and great-grandfather to several of the young people and children in our church. And one of the songs the family chose to play at the service was Brad Paisley's song, When I Get Where I'm Going. Some of you know that song, probably quite a few. Some of the lyrics go like this, yeah, when I get where I'm going, there will be only happy tears. I will shed the sins and struggles I've carried all these years. I'll leave my heart wide open. I will love and have no fear. Yeah, when I get where I'm going, don't cry for me down here. But when I get where I'm going and I see my maker's face, I'll stand forever in the light of his amazing grace. Yeah, when I get where I'm going, there will be only happy tears. Hallelujah. I will love and have no fear. Here's a question for you this morning. When you get where you're going, where will that be? Do you know? Are you sure where you're going? Today's sermon is the second message in a short series called Road Trip Essentials. Last week we talked about the value of taking a vacation. But we said don't take a vacation from God. God wants us to have a break. He knows we need breaks. He made us that way. But a big part of the break that we need to take is not from Him, but to Him. Run toward God to renew, to, to strengthen your relationship with Him. Take a vacation, but use as a time to recharge yourself and to refocus your life in God. Today's sermon is about destination. Tony alluded to that in our communion meditation. And you would think that knowing your destination on a road trip is like, duh, of course, you've got to know where you're going. You, you have to know before you even leave where you want to arrive. What, what is your heading for? Now, I know it sounds silly to even say, know your destination. But you know you can take a trip without a destination. You can actually leave and not really know where you're headed. Uh, we did it one time. <laughs> one time. Uh, Jane and I celebrated our wedding anniversary seven years ago. It was our 30th wedding anniversary. And we were exploring all the different options. We finally decided, you know what we really like to do is we like to see lighthouses. We haven't seen many of them, but we really like to do that. And so we're going to go up the East Coast. We're going up to New England. We're going to see as many lighthouses as we can. And uh, we always take these vacation trips that are planned. You know, we're going to go to Grandma and Grandpa's house. Or we're going to go to this city. We're going to go to this place. And you know all the destination. But this time there was no destination. We had one point in mind, York Harbor, Maine, where we're going to actually stay for our wedding anniversary date. Uh, that was the place we wanted to stay, a special hotel right on the coast, to have a special dinner and all that. But otherwise, it was wide open, going and coming, what we were going to do each day, and it was really nice. The only trip we ever took like that. All we knew, that we wanted to see as many lighthouses as we could, and we thought, well, maybe along the way we'd see five or six. We ended up seeing 11 lighthouses, and so that was really neat. If you want to see the pictures, I'll bore you for about two hours sometime and show you all those pictures. And as bonuses to this trip, we stopped at the Statue of Liberty. That wasn't in the original plan, but what a great time to visit that, to see it, and to experience all of that. We got to spend two hours on the George Washington Bridge going into New York on Friday afternoon. What a wonderful bonus that was. We also got to uh, go to Boston. We spent a whole day sightseeing there. Boy, that's great. You know, we, we didn't know all these things when we left. 
but they happen along the way. So it was, it was a lot of fun to travel with no destination in mind. But I wouldn't re recommend the same plan for the journey we call life. I wouldn't ever recommend you spend your whole life with no destination. And Jesus wouldn't recommend that either. Now, why do I know that? Well, because he talks about it. And in his Sermon on the Mount, he says these words you probably know. He talks about a narrow way, a na narrow gate. And you probably know the passage. Let's read it together. It's in Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, choose carefully. Choose intentionally. Everyone must be very careful to go through the narrow gate because not everyone finds that narrow gate. In fact, most people will not. It requires a deliberate choice, a deliberate action to actually go through that narrow gate that leads to life eternal. The accidental path he calls the broad road. There is a broad path that most people are on. The vast majority of people are just kind of moving in herd down this broad path. And it leads to doom and destruction. Jesus said it's not difficult to get the broad path. You don't even have to try. You don't have to think about it. But if you want to go on the narrow path, the narrow gate, it, 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 it requires deliberate effort, intentional effort, and he's emphatic about this. In fact, he says very few people, relatively speaking, will find that narrow gate. Very few people will look through all of the undergrowth and find that one place that they can go safely through that leads to life eternal. Are you one of those people? Have you found the narrow gate? There's more to this scene that uh, Luke tells us about. One time in, in uh, Luke 13, when he's sharing the same thing, when Jesus talks about a narrow gate, a narrow way, now in a different gospel, Dr. Luke says there's more to the story. In fact, it starts with people asking Jesus a question. He's on his way to Jerusalem. Not everybody knows that, but he's making his way through the towns and villages. He's teaching them. He's healing the sick. And he's making his way very deliberately to Jerusalem. And somebody comes up and says, Lord, how many people are going to be saved? How many people will get saved? And Jesus answers, not very many. You need to make very careful effort so that you enter that narrow gate, the narrow door. Many will try to enter and not be able to. In fact, he says, eventually the door will be shut. The owner of the house will shut the door and you will be left outside banging on the door, knocking and pleading and saying, open the door for us. And the owner will answer, I don't know. I don't know you. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you came from. And you will try to say, but, but we know you. We ate with you. We drank with you. you. You taught God's message in our streets. You were in our town. As he was visiting towns then. We know all about you. And the owner will say again, I don't know you. I don't know where you come from. Go away. Away with you. And it will be a very sad and terrifying day. It also tells us in Luke, that right about that same time, the Pharisees came up to Jesus. And I guess they had some idea he was heading to Jerusalem because they said to him, 
you know, you need, need to go away. You need to stop. You need to turn away because Herod is looking for you. King Herod is looking to, to capture you or to kill you or whatever he may do. I'm not sure the Pharisees really had his best interest in mind. They were probably just trying to distract him, trying to push him away from what he was really trying to accomplish there and keep him away from Jerusalem. But that's what they said. And Jesus gave a very direct answer to them. He said, okay, you go back and you tell that fox, you tell King Herod that I'm going to drive out demons, I'm going to heal people today and tomorrow, but on the third day, I will reach my goal. On the third day, I will arrive in Jerusalem. And I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next day, for no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jesus knew what was awaiting him in Jerusalem. He knew that he was going to die. But that was the very reason he came. And so since this was his goal, since this was his destination, since this was his destiny, Jesus chose that and he pursued that and he said, nobody will keep me from accomplishing that. That is why I came. The Apostle Paul was such a determined, destination-minded man as well. He set his sights on the goals God had given him. He set his sights on the call of God, the ministry that God had given him. He set his sights on the prize at the end, that there would be this eternal prize for him in Christ. He says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ Jesus, or God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So Paul dialed in on the call of God. He said, that's my destination, to do the will of God. He dialed in on the eternal prize that he was given in Jesus Christ that awaited him at the end of his life. This was his direction. This was his destination to be found faithful in his calling and to stay true for Christ until the very end. Now listen to how intent he was. He makes, makes some uh, in, in, remarkable statements here. He says, I press on. I take hold of. One thing I do, forgetting everything else, I strain for the prize. I press on to the goal line. And Paul says, even though I've come a long way, I haven't yet obtained that prize. I haven't arrived. I haven't yet taken hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And the same determination, same idea of a destination, a goal, a purpose in mind. What is your destination? What is your calling? What is your purpose in life? Basically, do you know where you're going? Do you have a clue? Do you have a destination in mind for your life? How will you know when you arrive? Now, if you've given it no thought, you've got lots of company. So, you know, relax. Because most of the people of the world are the same place. They haven't thought about this. They don't think about what tomorrow holds. They don't think about what is going to happen at the end of their lives. They don't think of the answer they're going to have to give God someday when they stand before his judgment throne and he's going to say, why should I let you in? They don't think about it. But we need to think about it because Jesus said there is a narrow gate. There is a broad path. Choose carefully. Choose 
deliberately. Here's the thing about the crowd, even though there's most of the people, it's the majority of the people. If they all voted together, that's what they would vote for. Let's stay on the broad path. The crowd is lost. The crowd is bound for destruction. And only those who find the narrow gate, the narrow door, the narrow way in Jesus Christ can be saved. Now, maybe your problem is that you're just trying to get going too fast. You know, you're, you're so fast, so speedy, so uh, you know, caught up in life, you don't stop to think about such things. Your life is clipping along at such a fast pace that you really don't have time to think about where you're going. Are you going too fast for your own good? I read about a Navy jet fighter that was, that was supersonic. It could go faster than the speed of sound. And so they decided this was a great weapon. We'll mount these new cannons on the wings. And we'll, we'll, we'll be able to take care of the enemy. You know, we can sneak up on them faster than the speed of sound and we can destroy them. So they're not testing this plane with these new cannons on the wings. And what happened was, as he's going out over the, the desert of Nevada, he shot those cannons, which were subsonic. They couldn't go as fast as the speed of sound. He's going past the speed of sound. And soon after he shot them, he caught up to his own weapons and blew himself up. Some of us are like that, you know, we get going so fast. We're not thinking about what we're doing, and pretty soon we've destroyed a lot of good in our lives. Sometimes we travel too fast for our own spiritual good. We're so busy, there's little time to worship. There's little time to read the Bible or to pray. Your children start wondering, are we ever going to slow down? Do you ever take a breath? Do you ever take a break? So as you're traveling down this road, it's very important that you get your destination figured out. Learn to listen to God's voice. Learn to listen to God's direction in your life. That's the only way you're going to know where you're supposed to go and the only way you're going to accomplish and actually arrive at the destination He's given you. There's a lot of other people that are giving us wrong directions. A lot of other people that say, well, this is what you should do. This is where you should go. This is what your life should be about. And if you just go to the self-help section of your bookstore, you'll find that out. A lot of people know what they're talking about, supposedly but they'll steer you wrong. What do you call this device? No, it's not a phone. It's a GPS. How many of you use a GPS? How many of you depend on your GPS quite often? Yeah. You just put in your address you're going to and say, okay, now get me there. And you listen to the directions. Usually a nice English-speaking lady, you know, just giving you directions, turn right, you know, 100 yards and so on. Have you already learned that you can't always trust your GPS? If you've had one for any length of time, you know it makes mistakes because it's only as good as the people who programmed it. Now, it's supposed to be a global positioning system, but it's not really true. It's a system that tells you what they told you told it to tell you. And so if they got the directions wrong, uh, you're going to get wrong directions. One day I had to go down to uh, Washington, D.C., early 7.30 a.m. surgery. A little girl named Megan was having and I had to be at the Children's Hospital Center by 7.30 a.m. on a Friday morning. That's not a fun trip. So I checked the night before several different ways I could get in there, and the normal way I was going to go was to go into D.C. and up Washington. Eh, that wasn't going to work. And so I thought, well, let's try the alternate routes. If I go around the Beltway uh, and I go up towards Rockville, and then I cut back in, maybe that will work. So I checked it all out and decided that's the way I'll go. That's the GPS I'll follow. So I set up the GPS, headed out on the trip, got up around past Cabin John, 
And the next thing I know is I get off at the exit I knew I was supposed to get on. I think it was called 191 or something. She told me to turn left. Take the exit and turn left. And I thought, that takes me away from D.C. That makes no sense. That's illogical. There's no way it could happen. But you know, she's GPS. And, and uh, maybe she knows there's a turn and then it cuts back around, comes back across the interstate. So I don't know. So I got to the top of the hill. I turned left. Now I'm deeper into Maryland instead of heading towards D.C. where I need to go. And it took me a lot of time Friday morning to turn around and figure out how I'm going to go back. And all the while she's saying, in this very sarcastic voice, recalculating, like, lady, you don't know what you're doing. I think I'm going to turn and make the right thing out of it. And eventually made it only because I sped a little bit on the other way. And as I went into D.C., I got a, a picture taken of my car speeding down this hill. It got a fine in the, 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 the mail from, from D.C. Thankfully, it was later forgiven, uh, and they didn't make me pay that fine. But the whole thing was like crazy because GPS was wrong, and we've been there. God is very willing to give you direction. If you listen to all these other voices, you're going to be in trouble. God is the only true voice. And in God, we have a clear destination but even then, life's journey requires that we listen every day, doesn't it? We know where the end destination is, but there's a lot of road to travel in between. A lot of ups and downs, a lot of hills and valleys, a lot of distractions, a lot of events, circumstances in life. And so to remain true to our destination, we have to listen carefully to God day by day. As we think about destinations, let me ask you one other question. Which is more important, the beginning of a trip or the end of a trip? Which is the, the most exciting part, the, the most important part of a trip, the beginning or the end? The beginning, some say. Some say the beginning because when it comes to a special vacation trip, you've done a lot of planning. You've thought about it. You've carefully thought, how can I have the money for this? How can I make this happen on a certain date? How can I get everybody together that's going to make the trip together? How can I set up things in advance so we have a place to stay and we have things to do once we arrive at our destination? And they would say that that beginning is the most important thing because if you don't plan carefully, if you don't think this through, it's not going to happen. So the rest doesn't really matter. But others say that the end is so important. And others say it's the middle that's so important because that's where the fun is. That's when you're doing all the cool things. And you're not worried about the beginning or end. You're just having fun. You're on vacation. Others say, no, you want to make sure you arrive where you're supposed to be. It's the end of the trip that counts. And others say, like our niece who said, boy, that means the trip's over. That means vacation's done. So she goes to the beach. She goes with her family. And midway, she's not enjoying herself because she's thinking, just a couple more days and it's over. She can't enjoy the time on vacation because she's thinking about the end and how she has to go back to her boring routine life afterwards. Have you ever been there? You know, I do that on a week-long vacation. About the third day, I finally unwound enough to really enjoy it. And about the fifth day, I'm thinking, two more days and we go back home. It's over. And a little bit of depression starts setting in like, uh, should have planned for two weeks, should have planned for three weeks, whatever we could have grabbed because I just now got to the point that I enjoy it and now it's time to go back home again and get back into the routine. 
In the journey of life, the end is definitely the most important part. The other parts count too, but really matters. what really matters is ending well. Now you, you can blow the beginning. All of us have. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all blew the beginning of the trip. We all messed up. We all sinned. We all failed God. We disobeyed. Your life may have been a total disaster in your younger days, but how do you end up? That's what matters. You may be in midlife right now. Midlife spiritually, whatever age you may be. You may be in the middle where there's still the chance to go right or wrong. There's still the chance to go the broad path or the narrow gate. And you may be making all kinds of mistakes in the middle. God's working with you. God's trying to send messages to you and get through to your heart. And you're resisting or maybe you're with Him and then you kind of fail and fall back. And then you get strong again. Wherever you may be in that middle is pretty tricky ground. But it will all be okay if you end well. It will all be all right if at the end of the journey you have achieved what God has in mind for your life. You have arrived at your destiny, your destination. Your week of vacation ends with a trip back home, settling again into a less exciting life than the vacation getaway you just finished. But life's journey ends with forever. It ends with eternity. You don't go back home. You don't go back to what you experienced many times before. You step into eternity to that point. You leave this life and begin eternal life. And you either walk into eternal life or you walk into eternal death. Don't you want to end well? Don't you want to finish the trip well? Wherever you may be today, don't you want your journey of life to end well? Now on my wife's and my 30th anniversary trip to New England, I said we had no destination. We didn't. We had York Harbor, Maine as one place we were going to go, one point along the way, a couple lighthouses. We said, oh, it would be good to be able to see those if we could. But that's really not quite true that we had no destination. That's not the end of the story. Yes, we had no set agenda. We had chosen just a few sites to see day by day. But in the end, we knew where we were going. Because in reality, we were going back home. And after 30 years of marriage, we were going to go back home to finish our lives together. That was the destination. The trip was just a trip. The sights we saw were just sights to see. It was fun. It was exciting. We still like to look at the pictures. But the destination was a marriage. A lifelong marriage. And that's what the trip was about. That was where our destination was. And you will go and you will do many things in your life. But in the end, what is your ultimate destination? Where will you spend the rest of your life? Your eternity. This is important stuff. Most people won't think about it. Only a few will find the narrow gate. Will you be one of them? Let's pray. Father, I pray for our hearts today that we would uh, not avoid this decision. That whether we're a child or a teen or an adult, we would think about our destination. That we would realize that the trip only achieves what it should achieve if we arrive at the right destination. 
that we would end well. Lord, we know that you have given a call to our lives. You've given purpose. And on the journey, we are to be very much about that purpose of sharing the good news with people around us and trying to be good witnesses and good ambassadors for you. But ultimately, Lord, at the end of it all, we want to arrive to be with you safely forever. And we want to bring as many people with us as we possibly can so they can do the same. We know that the journey is difficult. We know that few are finding this narrow gate named Jesus. And it is our responsibility, our privilege to be able to share Jesus with them. Keep us on the narrow path, Lord. Help us day by day to trust you, not our GPS or what anyone else may advise us. Help us to listen carefully to your spirit within us. Help us to go to your word. Help us to pray. Help us to uh, encourage one another while it is still today and there is still time so that we could all arrive together safely home with you at last. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage your hearts today. We're going to sing a song uh, that is just a prayer song.